You're listening to the GamesIndustry.biz podcast. I'm James Batchelor and I'm joined this week by... Matt Handrahan. Rebecca Valentine. And uh, Chris Drain. Are you sure you didn't sound sure about that, Chris? <laughs> uh, let me check. Let, let, let me check my let me check my driving license. Yep, that, that's me, Chris Drink. Um, <laughs> marvellous. And um, we're here to talk about the biggest stories of the past week, uh, as per usual. We're going to start off with a couple of Xbox stories, but the first one we're going to be talking about is um, Phil Spencer. In an interview with Business Insider, the head of Xbox was talking about not exploiting the coronavirus pandemic but the fact that games are benefiting and this is something we've kind of touched on in previous episodes but i'll just you know read through some of his comments and we, we can un- unpack them he said um we want to be very thoughtful and not exploiting the situation we're not putting in place any different business tactics or other things we're just trying to keep all services up trying to keep the games enjoyable keep our network safe and secure and being there at a time of need i'm proud that we can provide this activity for people um earlier in the interview he said that that Gaming right now globally is having a moment and that kind of alluded to the fact that we've seen so many kind of um, uh, reports and you're like engagement is up the number of the amount of time people are spending on games is up Chris you did that big um, analysis of how sales have have changed during um, during coronavirus lockdowns Um, he didn't share specific figures but he did allude to Microsoft tracking uh, the number of first time Xbox customers that they've got so people who have never had an Xbox before or never played on Xbox and he he did say we're seeing a flood a big flood of new people coming into gaming Um, but he did he kind of emphasized that Xbox is taking care not to kind of like relish in 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 this sudden surge of activity he uh he's finished off saying um you wouldn't wish this this is the way we get here we've talked uh internally at microsoft about this it's about how do you feel that gaming is doing well at a time when the world is hurting now we've kind of touched on this back and forth in in previous episodes and in the last few weeks there is this kind of shyness of uh, you know companies don't want to admit that yeah you know what games are doing all right now because when people are stuck at home some of them like to play games. A lot of them like to play games, but I I think that the industry seems to be paranoid about looking like it's it's capitalising on the world's misery. This is the first, or at least the highest profile example I've seen of someone acknowledging that and saying, "Look, no, this is not great." But also, yes, we are benefiting from this in a way. Well, but he's saying more than that, though, isn't he? He's saying, but he, yeah. So I, I think he's actually not saying that in a way. He's he what he seems to be saying is. Xbox isn't going to do anything differently because we have all of this extra attention. He says, Mm -hmm. we wanted to be very thoughtful and not exploit the situation, referring to this income, this this influx of new users that wouldn't be there were it not for this moment in time. And uh, and I I found that actually quite a provocative um, idea in a way, because whenever we've talked about coronavirus, one thing that's been ever present is when we talk about game sales or an opportunity presented by this this big captive audience that's out there we always 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 preface it with and obviously covid19 is this is a catastrophe it's a really bad thing and so on and so forth but we we put that caveat in there because we want everybody to know that just because we're talking about sales right now doesn't mean that we've forgotten that this is a tough situation but like what spencer made me wonder was what does it mean to exploit the pandemic when there are people with time on their hands in need of relief. And one thing that games can do is occupy people's time and grant them relief. I mean, Rebecca's playing a lot of Animal Crossing at the moment. And <clears throat> Rebecca will be attending a, uh, a Ramadan meal later this month. She'll be um, on a virtual talk show hosted by Gary Witter <laughs> as well. Um, and these and, and, and one other article we published this week was that was the size of uh, Nintendo's ad campaign for Animal Crossing New Horizons. Is that exploiting the pandemic? I mean, I, I, it's, a, it's, a, it's an open question. I don't think it's one with an answer, but I feel like we've covered a lot of companies reaching out to, to the public through games, free games, free trials. And I think it's, uh, it's an interesting thing to wonder where is the line when you, when you cross from serving the public to exploiting the public. And that is a line that Phil Spencer is very directly referencing here, but without really pinning it down. So, um, Well, I, yeah, I actually, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because if he does mean like we're not heavily promoting the facts, we're not heavily advertising our games. I mean, I understand like from a PR perspective, not wanting to say, hey, you're locked up in your house, come play Animal Crossing. It's not a good, it might not be a good look. But actually, I think not advertising is irresponsible. You know what I mean? Like, it, like this is this is the time to spend money. 
um, because the economy yeah. needs it. And uh, it's it feels. I mean, it depends on your head. It depends if you take it from a logical perspective. I think there's like two brains here. There's my sort of emotional thing that when I see a company sort of really going full on marketing, trying to make money out of this situation, I go, "Well, oh, it's a bit gross because it is." But then I also sit there and think, but, you know, at least somebody's spending some money, you know, someone's supporting the businesses and the industries that need <laughs> this kind of thing. And and so, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, yeah, but it's, it's difficult to know what he means, really, because if he means that we're not, you know, ramping up the prices of our products, then, you know, yeah, we know you shouldn't. <laughs> That's a good thing to do. Um, but there's also an element of like, when do you, I don't want to say exploit, but I was having a chat on, on the Gamer Network team um, the, other, the other day about the fact that, um, you know, a lot of people who are buying consoles during this actually are either lapsed console players or completely new to the console ecosystem. And that's got to be, a, that has to come a point where you think, well, how do we, you know, speak to these new people that never played games before? What do we, what do we put in front of them? You know, they're not going to buy Final Fantasy VII Remake. What are they going to buy? What should we be doing in that regard? What should we be making for free via PSN? You know, that kind of stuff. And, and is that exploiting? I mean, that seems, I, I don't know. I don't know what he really means, um, but it is a... Well, no, I, th- I don't think it's clear what he does mean. I feel like we can just imply our own kind of understanding of, have we seen what we would consider to be exploitative practices anywhere? Um, from I mean, we're, we're dealing with this stuff every day. We're seeing these promotions and stuff every day. I, I can't actually think of a single example of something that I would categorise as exploitative, though. Yeah, no. I don't think that I can either. And I, I don't know, like the quotes from him do sound... I don't know, sort of like what you said earlier, Matt, sort of like the kind of conversation that we still have at the beginning of things. Because, I mean, even even if we're looking at this and we don't see any examples of games companies doing anything that's explicitly exploiting, like this pandemic, you know, there is kind of a concern that it might be seen that way, right? Because it's really hard to talk about these kinds of things. Um, you know, we're, we're in the midst of a global crisis, right? And Animal Crossing New Horizons is selling piles of things. And that that's good news for Nintendo, right? Like, it, like it's, it's good sales. And that, you know, money presumably gets, you know, invested back into making more games and, you know, hiring people and doing things that are very, very good to be doing in a crisis. But it still sounds sort of weird to kind of be be celebrating that kind of thing, you know, when at least, it, I mean, I, I believe that Animal Crossing would have sold well anyway, but when there's at least a component of it that's due to a crisis. And so it feels more like he's trying to kind of get ahead of people sort of pointing and saying, oh, well, look, you were profiting off this pandemic rather than, oh, well, you were doing something shady. Mm. I do wonder if maybe there's a thing that did happen was, um, I don't even know if it was pandemic related or not, but when XCOM, the new XCOM game, which went up against Gears Tactics, the new XCOM game came out at like less than $10 or something like that. It was like, really, it's really cheap. And obviously it goes up against Gears Tactics, which is a full price game. And I always get the impression, maybe I, uh, maybe I just assumed, I don't know if it actually said in the press release, I got the, uh, the impression that part of the reason why it was discounted at launch was because of this situation, um, give someone something to play. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe maybe Phil is a bit uh, annoyed by that. I must say I, that, that was the one example I was going to say that this seemed a bit dicey to me because not only was it did it launch at a 50% discount, it also launched with a week's notice. And you have to wonder, like, was that always the plan? Like, did they create that game for like two years, always thinking, well, we're going to launch, we're going to announce this, then launch it a week later? Or was it a case of, well, there's an awful lot of people sitting around with very little to play. If we stick this out next week and do it at 50% off from the word go, maybe that's a really good thing that we can do, right? And that, and that, I think, well, I mean, that's pure speculation, obviously. But that kind of proposition is one where you do question it a little bit. Like, is that um, taking advantage of an unfortunate situation? Because you do have to really question why uh, an, a new XCOM game, which is created by a company with far fewer resources than Microsoft, would want to go head-to-head with an extremely similar game, um, from in, in the Gears series uh, when, it, when it was never scheduled to be out around this time. I think that there's definitely an open question as to, to what happened behind the scenes there. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, like like competition aside, I, I think that if you're going to point and say, oh, like, okay, so 
there are a lot of companies that are offering their games at a discount or free right now. Just tons of them. Like I think Square Enix yesterday um, has has already been offering a lot of its games for free, but you know now it's you know doing even more and it's doing all these discounts. Like everybody's doing that. So, I mean, yeah, there's there's always going to be a, at least a little bit of a selfish motivation there because if you're offering you know a copy of an older I don't know, like an older Tomb Raider game or something for free, then kind of the presumption is, okay, people will pick it up for free, they'll like it, and then maybe they'll be inclined to buy other Tomb Raider games, just as an example. Um, so there's there's kind of always that sort of business motivation behind it, but that doesn't mean inherently that just offering games for free at a time when people have, you know, maybe less income and a lot more time to spend on games, that doesn't mean that that's like inherently a bad thing. And so I don't think that, you know, discounting that game and launching it maybe sooner than anticipated. Yeah, there's definitely a business benefit there, but I don't think it's, you know, somebody twirling their mustache and yeah, you know, rubbing yeah. their hands together yeah, thinking, aha, this is how we'll get them. Yeah, yeah, no, and I, I think I broadly, I broadly agree as well. Um, I don't, I, I think maybe one of the first games to do this, I think, was Football Manager, and it was like, you know, have the game free for a week, I think, and then after that, you'd have to choose to buy it or not. Now, Football Manager is a game where you get very little out of it in a week of play. You know, you can play Football Manager all year round, but it, it is still fundamentally an altruistic thing to give your game away for free for an entire week. You don't have to buy it at the end. So I think very, very little does cross that cross that line. I mean, I, the one thing I, I did want to kind of refer back to is what Chris said, how I think most companies are actually, if anything, excessively cautious around this. We have definitely seen a reluctance to talk about sales successes um, from a lot of companies. We, we've kind of got wind of some companies would have announced sales figures, but didn't want to seem like they were kind of enjoying the fact that, that they've got a sales bump right now. And we've also seen a, a, a retreat of advertising dollars and things like that. Um, I think um, we're, we're in one media, we're in one industry that's really suffered as a result of that, how everything sort of seemed to, to shut up shop for a, for a few weeks, a few months. And you kind of saw the, the knock-on effect of that on freelancers. You know, we've had, I forget, was it EGM that just had to, the sort of like abruptly pivoted and all of the freelancers yeah, had to find. I mean, th this, there, there is knock-on effects of this stuff. We know people who've, who've lost jobs in the past, in the past six weeks mainly because of the hit that's been taken because advertising money is just dried up and you have to wonder how much of that is uh, companies not wanting not not wanting to be seen to be trying to sell their products at such a difficult time i don't know that that's that's purely speculative but that's kind of how it feels at least in part on a kind of similar note, and almost repeating your example, I guess, but like I feel like I've noticed more. So you mentioned the the um, football manager going free for a week. I feel like I've, I've, there are more of those free weekends going on at the moment, like console games being free to download and play for a whole weekend, and kind of it's similar to football manager. Like there's only so much you can get out of it unless you are dedicated and you can you know, have no other you know ties like family or job or anything. You might be able to sit down and blitz through a game in a single weekend. But most of the most games that there are on offer, that's just kind of a taster of it. And again, there's the kind of under under that that subtext of hopefully you'll buy it when you don't finish it. Yeah, but, but I think I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with giving. You know, people are, people don't have you know people don't have things to do at the weekend no. anymore. So they're giving people people to do at the weekend. And if they and you know and yes, there's a business element to it in that they make money potentially from people buying it after they've played it for two, for a couple of days and sure sure but you know it doesn't stop the original good thing you know it's still a good thing to do um and um and yes it has a business benefit to them but you know fine <laughs> yeah i mean if honestly if any if anything i've been on the last couple of weekends i've been buying games because i don't have very much to do on the weekends right now and i've actually been wishing that there were more steeper discounts on games because honestly a lot of the stuff i want to play is still full price so come on publishers start start knocking 50 percent off a little bit more broadly because i'll definitely be buying stuff and i would appreciate it you know so i, I think just that reaction there shows you that whatever phil spencer is referring to I, I i don't know that there is all that much exploitation going on so i don't know if microsoft's setting itself in up up in opposition to something that doesn't even really exist I know that I don't think that this is what he was referring to when he said this, but what do we think of Stadia's kind of weird use? I, so they were planning on launching Stadia. We had this conversation a little bit last week. They were planning on launching Stadia Base, which is this free tier of Google Stadia. They were planning on doing this anyway, and then they dropped the Stadia Base branding and sort of stealth launched it by saying that, like, they said it was a free two months of pro 
because that they were offering to everybody because of COVID-19 and pros their paid tier. But then like when you kind of read deeper into it, it, they were actually launching the free tier kind of behind it. And you, you would get like the two free months of pro and then you could cancel your subscription and revert to just the free tier and still keep all your games. Or if you like went through the, their entire menu and hit like opt out at the end or no thanks or whatever, then you could just use Stadia for free. So it's like kind of buried under everything, but the marketing surrounding it is very much, we're doing this because COVID-19 has everybody at home and we wanted to extend this offer to people. What do we think about that? Uh, I'm not, to be honest, I'm, I'm still a bit confused. Uh, I, I'm st- I'm, I, I think it just speaks to just the absolutely catastrophic job Google has done of messaging around the service and structuring it in a way that makes any sense to anyone. Like you, I, I've read the story twice. You've just explained it to me again. And I'm like, they did what? And what did what happened at the end? And like, just I, I'm just bizarre. Thing is, I just I think it's weird because streaming streaming's not ready. Even if the technology is ready. The concept doesn't doesn't work. I mean, it, it, it's like you see, it comes down to I, in my mind, it comes down to business model. Right? I can't work even with Xbox, who seem a little bit more like they've got a plan. I still don't really buy the plan because yes, I completely there are. I agree, there are millions of people around the world, including people in console-heavy countries like the UK and America, who don't own a games console and may want to play FIFA. Right? They might want to play FIFA. Oh, I see FIFA, but I'm not going to buy a games console to justify it. Streaming potentially unlocks that audience, and I agree with that opportunity. But that audience isn't spending sixty, you know, dollars on a game. Um, some might, some of the richer ones might, but most most don't. That's a lot of money to spend on something that you know isn't really theirs. And but also that audience isn't subscribing to something that's going to cost to get some access to hundreds of games they don't want to play. So I'm like, well, what is the business model for those people? How are you going to convince them? You know, they might be looking at FIFA. I'd love to play FIFA. They don't want to spend that. What are you going to do? And I, I do wonder if something like a pay-to-play arcade style, put a couple of dollars in, whatever, play FIFA for an afternoon. That might be a thing. But whenever I look at Stadia, it just feels like it's a learning thing. So, you know, they put out pro, they put out base. They could put out anything. No one's paying any attention. Um, and, um, and eventually... Hopefully they stumble upon the right business model and the right types of content that, that audience wants. And, but, but I think, that, um, yeah. but as a result, I, I think, think that's tied to what they're trying to do here with doing this offer at this point in time, right? They're they're aware that there are people out there who have time on their hands, but probably may not own a console, and they probably think that Stadia can be the kind of solution for them for the reasons you state. It probably won't be because first of all, they've still got to buy Stadia, which costs money anyway. Um, but that, that must surely be what they're thinking. Like there are enough people out there that don't have an Xbox, PlayStation, or a gaming PC that, that might want to access games that can't. So here's two months free of our service that's kind of pitched around you not needing hardware to play. I wonder if the reason, partly the reason of them, them bigging up this, this free trial of Pro is... Like, so my understanding is if you if you register a free account with Stadia but you don't opt into Pro you then have to buy games individually to make use of the service and obviously unless you already know what you want no one is going to do that by using Pro they can obviously um, trial it I imagine the pandemic has probably like kind of going back to what uh, Rebecca was saying like has, has accelerated their plans to launch free because free free I always kind of pictured I, I my understanding was it was due for launch later in the year I imagine that that could and should have been a big second launch right Stadia Pro has been out for six to nine months now Stadia Base is out and everyone can join in for free and you can buy games and stream join the cloud revolution blah 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 marketing what marketing speak with everyone at home it's like right well let's get this available to more people because everyone's sitting around but equally you don't want to make a massive deal out of it because if people think great i'm stuck at home i'm going to register for stadium i'm not going to bother with that pro trial i'm just going to buy red dead redemption 2 assassin's creed odyssey you know spend 120 180 dollars on three games and then it doesn't work particularly well because as chris said like streaming technology is not quite there but also the infrastructure of the internet is under strain because of covid-19 because the number of people using it for everything from leisure to business it's it's both the perfect time to launch stadia free because everyone's at home but the least perfect time to launch it because the internet is is suffering and doesn't do the shiny 4k perfect streams that they they were promising when they launched so I can see why they've sped up their plans, but I can kind of see why they've they've fluffed the 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 marketing of it. 
Yeah. And just to be like absolutely clear, I know that this is just like this weird, like dense thing. The way it works is they are marketing this as like two months free of Stadia Pro. Stadia Pro is $10 a month. You get like right now that I think they're offering like nine free games with it. And then everything else you have to pay for the individual game on top of the Stadia Pro subscription. So when you go to sign up, it's it's prompting you to sign up for, for Stadia Pro. And it's telling you, hey, get two months free, and then it's only $9.99 a month, and you get these free games, and it's great. And you go through the whole sign-up process, and then at the very end, it's asking you to put in your payment information for Stadia Pro. And if you hit the grayed-out no-thanks button, then you still have access to Stadia. You just, as James said, have to buy all of the games, and you don't get the nine free games. Oh, the grayed-out no-thanks button. That is a bit gross, must be said. Um, do we? Do, I mean, I, I'm going to be stupid because I, I genuinely don't don't know enough about Stadia. It seems, but the, so there's like zero buy-in. You don't have to have the controller. You don't need a dongle. You don't need any of that stuff. Nope. Oh. Yeah, you don't no. need anything. You I signed up for it. You don't need nothing. Oh, cool. You need. You obviously need a PC. Yeah. Um, to actually play it, or yeah. a compatible device, which at the moment I think is a handful of Google and Android mm. phones. Yeah, I can't um, remember what phones are on the so list there's, now. So there's limited devices. But yeah, in theory, anyone with access to a computer and an internet connection can sign up to Stadia and buy games um, to play via streaming. Yeah, you can also, I'm pretty sure, it's, I mean, it's available on TVs now via like Chromecast Ultra, but you need a Chromecast Ultra for that. And I yeah, like, that's I don't even like know what 30 the quid, 30 I have no idea what the situation yeah, is with that right but, now. But to, um, to Chris's point though, I mean, uh, so in Stadia Pro, are there really only like ten free games on there? There are when they were when they were sending out the press release, it was nine free games. Yeah, well, I think um, I'm looking at the nine: Destiny Two, Battlegrounds, Grid. Destiny Two is already free. Grid, Guilt, Serious Sam, Spitling, SteamWorld Dig Two, SteamWorld Quest, and Stacks on Stacks brackets on Stacks. Um, yeah, I, I think what Chris saying is right because what? I guess maybe. Uh, the people who don't have gaming hardware already that could potentially have time on their hands and want to give Stadia a try are not going to want to spend $60 on, a, on the game that they might actually want to play. And this is a very slim selection of games to keep you busy and, and probably quite unlikely to appeal to people that don't already own hardware, if you know what I mean. Like if you're the kind of person that would be suckered in by PUBG or Destiny 2 presumably you have a way of playing games already you know what I mean these are not casual games neither Serious Sam and etc and so on it seems like a, a strange opportunity that, that Google has, sp has spied here and that's the thing like most the vast majority of people if they don't have dedicated games hardware during during this, uh, this, this lockdown situation they do still have access to games through Facebook in a browser or on their phone or there are so many other ways to access games obviously not the, to the same scope and quality as the type of titles that are released on in Stadia or even Xbox but you know someone who has never played games may just download I don't know words with friends or something you know yeah well I think the companies that I think ultimately the companies that are benefiting the most from from uh, the lockdown aren't doing so because they're exploiting they're doing so because they have the products that will speak to people at this point in time we've talked about animal crossing a bit um and we're, and another one that that make that that we've had some news about uh, being popular this week is is game pass i mean game pass is is pretty much the perfect thing to have access to at this point in time at least for me i've I've just been playing nothing but Game Pass for the last two months and there's still a dozen more games that I'm, I'm, I want to get to at some point and they're all just lined up in a row, cost me 10 bucks a month and this week Microsoft announced that they've got 10 million subscribers which puts it very, very, very far out in front on the whole gaming subscription service thing. It's like five times more than anybody has done and <clears throat> while I don't think you can make like precise declarations on the size of the revenue... Stadia um, Game Pass is a $10 a month subscription for the most part, which makes it a billion dollar business or somewhere between half a billion to a billion dollars a year business. And that's not bad considering it's only been around for a couple of years. Yeah, that's impressive. And and yeah, Game Pass, I'm sure we've talked about the, the the quality of the Game Pass offering in the past. Like, case in point, actually, like I, I'm similar to you. I, I play quite a lot of Game Pass games. Most of my Xbox hard drive is clogged up by Game Pass games. I actually find myself downloading more than I will ever play, then deleting them to download more that I will not play. But kind of tying into our previous conversation, they're, at the time of recording, tomorrow they're adding Red Dead Redemption 2. I have Red Dead Redemption 2 on Stadia, it is unplayable, 
it will be very playable on Game Pass. So I will be downloading that like instantly, like and already like Game Red Dead Redemption Two alone has justified, you know, the kind of the 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 cost of Game Pass for a few months because given how damn long that game is, like it's it's impressive the library that they've got. That's massively what Stadia is missing, like the library of titles they've got, like the 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 level of AAA games. And all right, there's certain titles. I don't think there are any like Ubisoft titles in there. I don't think there are any Activision ones on on Game Pass. But they've still got some big names, and then a good mix of kind of indie titles, and then those cool kind of double A middle tier titles in the middle. So I can see why the service has become so popular and and reached that 10 million people. It's really good, isn't it? I, I it's. But it's because you have the. It's, it's a bit like Netflix. If in, I mean, I know everyone hates saying that, but it's like Xbox is like the Netflix originals, right? The Xbox first party games, and then you've got the sort of, and then they fill it up with some license deals they do with smaller independent stuff, which is you know the indie games, and then you've got the legacy stuff, which is you know I watch Doctor Who on Netflix, so you know that, and that's the sort of thing they do there. And I, and I think it's got it all. I think the thing Microsoft, and this is the stuff that I wrote a Gears Tactics piece this week. That is that it's gonna. They have to keep making lots of games to make. If they want to keep getting, they want to get ten million to a hundred million. They're gonna to have to keep making lots and lots of games, and um, and that's one of the reasons why they're pushing it into PC Game Pass. But obviously, the PC Game Pass games are mostly. I mean, in terms of the big what selling points are console games, right? It's it's you know Crackdown and stuff like that, and Gears and Forza. They're console games really, and Gears Tactics, which came out of the week, is the um, last week is the uh, is the first. Um, uh, like game built, so, you know, squarely thinking about what any PC gamers want, and then they've got Age of Empires four, and they've got Microsoft Flight Simulator, and I guess Minecraft fits into that as well. And there's and there's there's probably something that I've completely forgotten about um, that's uh, that's purely they're thinking, you know, PC gamers. And um, Microsoft's then going to have to try and go right. How do we therefore unlock the mobile audience and all that kind of stuff? And I think it's and streaming will fit into that. Um, but uh, it, it, there is. It's it's really I mean it's really good service and ten million is a real fantastic um, um, obviously milestone for them and that's going to be their focus going into next generation. I'm actually going to find next generation is going to be the most boring uh, console war conversation you get is when they get PlayStation's advertising how many consoles they've sold and Xbox is just talking about how many Game Pass subscribers and both of them are like winning in their various fields and um, and uh, and then you're going to get loads of like PlayStation fans insisting that that number doesn't matter and loads of Xbox fans insisting that number doesn't matter and we're going to have real good fun of trying to <laughs> when, when we ever we put a tweet out about any of this on um, on um, when the fanboys come out but you know I I I, I'm, I, I think it's great that they've, they've finally put a number on it because Spencer's always said millions and millions and if you think about it, if you're an indie developer or anything just putting a game on Game Pass and you've immediately got an audience of 10 million people that might play your game that's huge isn't it um, that's really cool. I'm in, I'm intrigued to see the impact that that streaming and you know streaming through Project X Cloud has on Game Pass in terms of its uses, in terms of how many people access the games through that. I say that because um, obviously like, they've been reiterating over the last couple of weeks that um, the Game pa- the X Cloud will be integrated into Game Pass later this year. That's that's currently the plan. Uh, X Cloud service now has hundreds of thousands of people in the active user beta. But and I grant you, I'm only speaking from my own my own perspective. But I can't imagine I'm alone in this. My mobile device, I do not use much as a gaming device. I do I play games here and there, but I don't do so on an on a regular enough basis to warrant a subscription. And the reason I say that is because I have been I have been subscribed to Apple Arcade um, for about four or five months now, and I cancelled it this month because I realised that I was. I, I you know downloaded much like Game Pass downloaded loads of games and then didn't play them because I don't that's not what I use my phone for or certainly not on the the, the length that these games yeah. would require. Uh, but, so but is 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 it a mobile play or is it a a PCs that I haven't got good graphics cards play? Because I because for me the, the the thing with my the reason why I don't see it as a mobile is what Chris said right that you you could roll out Game Pass's current library. To mobile phones and nothing would work on it because it hasn't got any buttons yeah right like you need the 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 good mobile games have different input schemes um you can't replicate the two i guess uh, yeah, i feel i, I think, feel like uh, i feel like x cloud coming to game pass first of all I, I just don't think we should make too much of it it's it's going to be sort of mm. gently introduced 
it'll be like the inverse of PlayStation Now, which started out as a streaming streaming service and then added downloads when it was clear that the tech wasn't quite there to support good enough play experiences and limited the kinds of games that could be on it. So I think that this is going to be a gentle introduction of streaming options, but it's more going to be for... I mean, look, what we talked, what Chris wrote a piece about Stadia a while back, you know, that, that there are many, many countries in the world where there are lots and lots and lots of PCs and there's decent internet, but there aren't that many gaming ready PCs. Um, I think it's as yeah. much about those as it is about mobile phones. I think I, th- I think it's partly because when they announced XCloud and whenever you see XCloud articles and so forth, like the imagery, the imagery that people use to represent XCloud is playing Forza on an Android phone. That is that is the image that they put out there when they announced this. So that in my head is what I associate this with as as much as it is for PC as well. And I I love the idea of PC streaming services because I have never I have not owned a PC that's gaming ready for about 10, 15 years now. Yeah, yeah. So I love the concept. But of not yeah, but of course, but of course, but of course, Forza on a mobile phone is just a nonsense image it looks cool but when you think about it it's like how would you play forza on a mobile phone um and so so it's a mark it's a marketing image so you know it's marketing. but i think that the actual like like value of something like xcloud tied to game pass isn't that necessarily right like they're they're basically doing the opposite of stadia stadia is trying to make streaming a thing all on its own whereas you know Microsoft just announced they've got, you know, 10 million Game Pass subscribers. So you take those 10 million Game Pass subscribers and you say, hey, you know, I and they haven't said, like, if there's going to be a pricing model attached to it or not. So I'm speculating here. But if you take those 10 million Game Pass subscribers and say, hey, if you pay us $5 more a month, then you can, one, play games instantly without downloading them. And two, they'll be, you know, in whatever, like, 4K. I, I don't know what the quality level is. But they'll be, they'll be at this, like, quality level. So if you don't necessarily have a, a gaming PC or, you know, whatever, then you can play them on your PC, whatever you have, just at this higher quality level if you just pay us that much more a month. And you're already here. So, like, you know that's something you want to do it's there it's like as more of an add-on is how it seems like yeah, you're positioning for, it rather for, than but for some but for some p- but for some people that will be the only way they can access it right though right. what chris I was saying is thing. i think you're, that that's yeah. better than yeah, no, kind of is. how we've seen stadia doing their you are you are you are locked at the moment at a certain amount of people if if the only way you can access the games is by having hardware that can run the games um, as soon as xCloud is stable enough to, to bring something to the table, yes, it, it can be an option for existing users, but also it opens up loads more loads of different users. Um, whether, or not, whether or not you need software to satisfy those users is, is a separate but related question. So Rebecca, I, yeah, and Rebecca's got it spot on though, about initially anyway, because this is what Phil Spencer said to us last year. He doesn't expect the first users to come in to be the millions of people in India or the um, laps gamers to come back. He expects the first people to use xCloud will be Xbox players. So, um, and you know what? I would use xCloud. I mean, I sort of tried to recently. The, 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 if I give an example, um, I play, I, it may have, this might shock you all, but I play a game called Sea of Thieves, right? Um, and um, No, you've not mentioned I've not mentioned this. it before, but I thought I'd bring you it up. You play Sea of Thieves, Yeah, I know, Chris? I know. Um, but it's a game, I like it. Um, and um, the thing is, it's a pl- game that I play on, you know, it's a single player. It's not a single, it's a multiplayer game, but you play, you know, you, you don't have a split screen co-op or anything. So when my brother comes, who's, who's in my, he doesn't come over anymore, but when he used to come over, and he's in my he's actually in my crew we can't play together but he can't play because he's at my house he has to go back to his house to play with me but with xcloud i can rig xcloud up to my pc put plug in the um xbox controller and he can play sea of thieves with me like in a LAN party situation effectively by using xcloud and that's one way of doing it another way of doing it you might be playing a game okay maybe not forza but you can play a game that you might be into and you go oh i really want to finish this level you can then plug it you know take your phone with you bring the controller on the phone with you and finish off that thing on the phone i mean i don't know if anyone would really want to do that but you can and so i i think the first people to use xcloud will be xbox gamers who actually do want to take or you know might want to play on their might want to play their xbox games on the pc at work you know all those sort there are cases examples of people who currently have um, an Xbox and then we'd like to take that experience with them wherever they go um, whether it's to a different PC a different TV a different whatever and I think that's those are the people who will come on board at the begin with and then Xbox over time will have to try and work out how to unlock the real opportunity which is what you know which is what Stadia is trying to unlock now um, but Stadia is having to do it from a, you know without that base whereas Xbox has that base which is basically what Rebecca said well actually what, what, what one thing you've also seen um, recently is 
the concerted attempt by Microsoft to, to market Game Pass to, to, to Japan, which is a country that's always struggled in a little bit. Historically, well, a little bit, it's a massive understatement, I would say. It's struggled in it completely. It's got a non-existent user base. But there's the the most recent, the, the big games that have recently been added to Game Pass have all been, uh, a, a lot of them have been, folk, have been Japanese made games, games that appeal to that market. It recently launched officially there. And that is a market where they're not going to be there's not going to be any Xbox Ones. Um, there's going to be gaming PCs. And I think that, 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 that again, that, that, that could be a market that could appear quite quickly for them, I think. Um, so, so there probably are territories on Earth where, where Xbox could gain a much firmer foothold as a result of having something like Game Pass. But, I, but, but you know, to, to Chris's initial point, I think it's, it's about games, right? It's about how quickly can they make new content? Because one thing that you saw from Netflix is that they were a loss-making enterprise for years and years and years. Every penny they made and more and more so, they just sunk straight back into game production. Didn't worry at all about turning a single cent in the black. So I think you've got to, you've got to wonder what Microsoft is going to be able to achieve like that. It bought all those studios. Um, I guess we're going to start seeing how frequently they can produce content. But one thing that keeps Netflix alive and what what Netflix how Netflix has grown yes it's through availability to a wider number of people and it's through options but it's also it's also just having exclusive content that you can't get anywhere else coming out literally every single week I don't think you need to match that scale of production with games I think you can go every month but I still think Microsoft is a long way off getting far past 10 million players uh, at the current rate of adding new new games to game pass but upon saying that, and you're right, and you know, to be slightly contrary though, the last couple of months have been really mad for Xbox. Like there was the Bleeding Edge beta, isn't there? And there's been Ori in the Blind Forest. There's just been Gears Tactics, and there's Minecraft Dungeons next month. Like there's been like four Microsoft published games in the space of about I don't know, eight nine weeks. It's uh, it's it, it, for, for a generation where they've not published a great deal of content. Actually, it's a surprise. You know, this is the cadence that we will need to see. Yeah, um, that's it. Yeah. They'll need to maintain forward. that yeah. rate. And just keep it going, you know, continually. And I, I do wonder about that, like how easy that is to achieve with with games, which which are quite difficult to plan, plan effectively, and launch mm. dates move a lot, and that kind of stuff. Can can it guarantee two new games per month, every single month, going forward? I suspect over time, and eventually it will get there. But I wonder whether you're right. The last two months has been great for that stuff, but whether there's going to be lulls, you know, whether there's going to be mm. a couple of months where, yeah. where it runs dry a bit. But, but I mean, it's interesting though because I mean I don't know because we're not seeing this sort of thing in games anymore. So I'm I'm talking. I've got a mate who's a game. I'm a Game Pass subscriber. But I've got a mate who's a Game Pass subscriber. He only really subscribes to Sea of Thieves. Uh, he he dips in every now and again when there's a game that interests him. That he's oh you know I might play that. He sort of, but some of these games that are in Game Pass they're not like a Netflix TV show where you watch it once and you're done. They they live on. You know there's multiplaying the big multiplayer mode of Gears of War and then there's the DLC content that brings you back in and all this kind of stuff. These games live on. So, I mean, we don't know how that, you know, what the consumer, I think they'll discover it first, but it's about, you know, what, what do gamers want a game every month? So sometimes actually taking a month out is fine because if you've got a, you can just do, if you've got a big live service game that's proven to be popular, why not? Why do you, why release something that month? You know, I don't know. I mean, it's a different, slightly different medium and it's, it's, it's interesting to see what subscribers demand from it. Also in the news this week, uh, The Last of Us Part 2 has been spoiled for for people. It's uh, been leaked online, various videos of leaked gameplay, cutscenes, developer menus, they've all been uh, spread around the internet and uh, dissected by gaming communities. Naughty Dog actually released a statement via Twitter. Um, they said, we know the last few days have been incredibly difficult for you, we feel the same. It's disappointing to see the release and sharing of pre-release footage from development. Do your best to avoid spoilers, and we ask that you don't spoil it for others. The Last of Us Part 2 will be in your hands soon. No matter what you see and hear, the final experiences uh, will be worth it. Um, now, we were hoping to have Charlotte on because she was particularly... Uh, frustrated by this yeah, i think Bre brenda um, brendan was also uh, chomping at the bit to talk about this and then they both dropped out the uh <laughs> they did try to drop out so uh so maybe maybe they'll do like a massive twitter thread ranting about it but i i'm kind of wanted to just talk about spoilers in general um because i'll be honest and this is shameful i don't care about the last of us i'm sorry it's just not my thing um but uh but I, it, it does annoy me spoilers like but it i 
surely in the age of the internet now, this sort of thing is almost impossible to stop, particularly once the leak has happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, I think. Okay. Well, I think. I think. For well, me, I think. I mean, I haven't seen any of the leaks, and I've I've decided. I decided a long time ago that I don't want to play the last of us 2 um and i don't i and it's odd because i love the last of us right? i adore that guy. i love naughty dog they're one of my favorite developers but the last of us 2 i don't i just can't cope with miserable games i haven't done for a while um and the game looks miserable and i bet you the game is miserable and i bet you the spoilers reveal that and i if i'm if i'm somebody that's got spoiled you know i don't know every character i've ever loved gets gets killed by something i'm like well you know what not might not play that there was a movie i'm not going to ruin it but there was a movie i was told recently that i was interested in watching and somebody says yeah yeah shame they all died at the end and i was like i'm not going to watch that film (laughs) i'm not entirely sure i want to watch that um and i and i suspect that's something that's probably one of the reasons why the last of us 2 has had such a uh, it's such a big deal because it might the story might be somewhat off-putting um well, and maybe know. is there? Can, can anyone tell me, like, if they've actually? Because I, I'm going to play Last of Us Two. Can't wait to play The Last of Us Two. I have not seen a single one of these spoilers, and my job is to look at the games press on the internet every single day. So I'm just going to throw it out there that it's actually pretty easy to not have this game spoiled for yourself. No, so, no and, and, I, and I have to think that. If, if Charlotte and Brendan have got really upset about the game being spoiled, it's probably because they've Googled The Last of Us 2 spoilers and read what was Whoa. being leaked or something. So, li- so listen, so I, l- let me be clear. I, don't, I didn't play the first Last of Us. I, I don't care about this game. I had, like, no investment in spoilers. But you, Matt, you are a person, you, you, are, you are very online in the sense that you, your job is, like you said, like to you know, read the game is press and be up on what's going on. But you are not very online in the sense that you are extremely online on social media, right? I am a person who is extremely online on social media. And there are people, there are freaking circus clowns out there who have decided that it is their mission in life to post The Last of Us Part Two spoilers in the comments and replies on just everything for no reason just to like make people mad they have been in the comments on our twitter account somebody posted some in the comments on one of our articles we deleted that because you're not supposed to post out links like to just random things um so there are just like trolls who are doing this and so if you're if you're very on social media or you're like reading the comments for whatever reason you can see that you can run into them pretty quickly. I've seen them in like five or six different places, not because I was looking for them, but but because I was like trying to read something else or trying to have a conversation. And someone just came in with a giant screenshot with a bunch of text over it saying, this is what happens. And I'm like, you know what? Thanks, bud. At the risk of going on a related rant, the games press, even if you do just keep your focus on the internet to the games press, the game press are, or certain sites are terrible for spoilers, Albeit not necessarily for the big game. So I'm gonna I'm apologize, but I'm gonna call them out. Polygon and GameSpot. This has been a rant I've been having for years. They in their wider entertainment coverage, Game of Thrones and Star Wars in particular, the amount of times where first thing I do every single morning is I scroll through like I've got an RSS feed of all the big game sites and a few other sites to just take in all the news in one hit. And the amount of times there's a headline or an image or an image and headline that immediately spoil, you know, whether it's a Game of Thrones episode, you know, episode that hasn't aired for another 12, 24 hours, or the Star Wars film that has only just come out like two days before and I hadn't had a chance to go see it. Like, and these are big spoilers. Like, I don't, I, I won't, I won't share them here. I will rant, I'll probably rant about this to you guys off mic, but huge spoilers, like, not even like kind of hints and teasers, like, oh, they might be able to infer, like, just big, right, this is the headline, therefore you now know this. Like, it's, and I don't understand, uh, beyond the let's get clicks because we want people to read this, we want people to, to start discussing it in the comments threads underneath, I do not understand why they endorse this sort of or why they embrace that sort of like spoiler kind of culture particularly that they do it for films and and tv but they won't do it for games i mean i don't i I think it's partly google because like i'm a big doctor who fan um and doctor who this season has been like a a, a naughty twist of shocks and surprises you know there's been a returning character there's been a surprise doctor there's been uh, the return of the master there's just been like it's been a it's been an endless stream of surprises about that show and um i've been watching i watch it i don't watch it li- i don't watch it as- i do watch it live i watch it as close to as live as i possibly can and then we watch the whole thing and the thing is as soon as i watched it live i was like oh my god that was amazing my jaw hit the floor and i'm googling 
Doctor Master, right? Because I want to I want to see what other people are saying and discussing about it. And I suspect that's why they they do that because they know that there's people who millions of people who have watched it that want to read up about it, want to read a journalist's opinion about it, want to see what the community is saying about it. Unfortunately, the internet doesn't have these uh, <laughs> doesn't enable you to sort of you have to you know you have to be clever about it and some people are clever about it you know or you, you know this that shocking twist in this week's episode read about it here and, and it's like oh, I'm, I'm annoyed that you've, you've my mind's been pre-blown as um as get as big bang theory <laughs> likes to say but it, it, it you know they do ways around it but it is just um it, but rebecca said like she talked about you know if you are engaged online it is very hard i mean i don't i'm not i'm i'm, I'm with you matt like i check into twitter outside of work rarely but um, but I know that Charlotte, for instance, saw a Last of Us spoiler in a conversation someone was having on Twitter. That's where it came from. And it wasn't even about the Last of Us. It sort of led, led into that, and then she was a bit. And that's what somebody made it posted so- one in the replies to the news article about Xbox Game Pass having 10 million subscribers. Like, see, because now, so, is, see, now I'm part of the problem you? because I'm really curious as to what the spoiler was because I want to know. <laughs> I want to know the, like, the gravity of this transgression because you know there is a special. I can tell you later if you want to know. No, no, because that because like that, that would be a spoiler, and I don't want to know. But I do want to know, and I don't want to know. But there is a special place. There, there's a special corner of hell reserved for people that feel that they can just openly discuss stuff that they know for a fact that, people, that a lot of people are not going to want to know and are going to is going to substantially detract, detract from the enjoyment of yeah, something that's they care the about. Only it's, it's this terrible fucking behaviour, and, it, and if I anyone if anyone who does that is listening to this, you know, um, I'm not saying never listen again, but just know you're in my bad books. You know, you're off. If you're the off person who posted comments. it in the comments <laughs> on our website yeah. is listening to this. Come on. Yeah, come on, guys. Like, come on. Yeah. I mean, but, but so I, I, weirdly enough, I've just, just been watching The Mandalorian, which is the, because in many ways we're talking about two different things, right? So what happened with the, with Naughty Dog was their game was leaked and that those leaks were shared. My understanding is it wasn't the full game. It's just like bits and pieces, right, have been leaked and, and certain parts of the game have been exposed and certain twists and so on, but, but not the entire thing. No one's played the whole game through. But in any case, it's not material that's officially out there in the world. It's a very unfortunate incident. What what batch you were talking about? I mean, this happened with the Mandalorian because we didn't get Disney Plus over here until a couple yeah. of weeks ago. Now I knew about the existence of Baby Yoda because how on earth could you not know about the existence of Baby Yoda? No, that's true. And I was watching the first episode of Mandalorian. And the moment where that is revealed, I thought how wonderful it would have been to not know that was coming. That would have been marvellous. It would have been a fantastic thing to go into completely blind. But that is just impossible. And, And that's very much on the shoulders of the Walt Disney Corporation for not making that show available everywhere immediately. Because it, it definitely did harm harm my ability to enjoy it in the way it was supposed to be enjoyed. And so it's a similar way to how, what Chris is describing with Doctor Who. When people are invested in something, you do want to preserve that for them. But but this stuff happens in many different ways, and it's not always the trolls. Sometimes it's it's just companies throttling the uh, mm. the, the the rollout of a product for their own gain. You know, there are there are <laughs> ways of doing it, but I guess you're right. It is limited to material that is officially out there and then therefore perhaps not uh, not applicable to the last of us part two but i'm reminded of um there was the when uh avengers infinity war came out there was the big hashtag campaign hashtag thanos demands our silence and it was getting everyone involved of right if you've seen it by all means say what you what you thought of it but do not do not give away spoilers do not give away the fact that I won't say it for anyone who I don't know hasn't been to the cinema in two years, um, but like don't say that because hashtag Thanos demands our silence, and that worked to an extent because I genuinely went into that cinema and I wasn't aware. I had already seen loads of memes about like the ending. I'd seen kind of parodies, and I'm like, I wonder what that is. And then at the end, I was like, ah. But I genuinely and I saw I saw Infinity War late. I'm talking a month after it came out. Um, and that worked for me because I'm I'm very active on um, Twitter and on Facebook. For once, Polygon or GameSpot hadn't done a big you know what this means kind of article that hadn't spoiled it. Obviously, they are they are scared of Thanos, perhaps. But that worked. So I wonder if if in the the case perhaps not perhaps not in the case of leaks, but in the case of trying to protect people from spoilers, I wonder if if um, games companies can make more of it. So. Final Fantasy VII Remake is out now, and there are big changes to the storyline from what I have heard. <laughs> when I did the critical consensus... Okay, I don't know. Like, <laughs> is, is that... Okay. 
elaborate on your your sniggering. No, it's you keep going. You're on the right track. It's okay. just funny. When I wrote the critical consensus, every review I read was mentioning there have been some changes that will be controversial for some, but some people might like. And I remember when uh, when Square Enix, you know, kind of released that right, we're going to be releasing it earlier in Europe and Australia so that everyone gets it at the same time. Please do not spoil it, despite it being a 23-year-old game. Please do not spoil it for other people. And I don't recall seeing spoilers for that i grant you i'm not in final fantasy circles but i didn't see spoilers i wonder if companies could kind of take it one step further and do a kind of a hashtag Aerith demands your silence kind of y'all are either not online enough or exactly the right amount of online i can't decide yeah well i recently i don't know if anyone saw uh, knives out is a film that came out recently it's like yes. a whodunit no not yet now at least before my screening of it there was a short introduction recorded by the director ryan johnson where he asks the the, the people in the cinema please don't tell anyone the ending to this movie it's way way better if people don't know what it is so just keep quiet on Twitter and so on. It's the first time I've ever seen that, actually. It's the first time I've ever seen a director of a movie issue a public service announcement asking people not to spoil the ending of the film online. So I guess you, you can do it through uh, through marketing, like uh, Thanos demands your silence, but, but there evidently is the kind of the sense that this stuff is slightly out of control. I mean, I, I again, I feel like most of what we're talking about is a little bit different to what's happened with, with yeah, Naughty yeah, Dog. Yeah. Oh, it is different. And James, yeah. James, let's not forget the best way to avoid spoilers is, is what Dave Gorman did, right? Remind me. Well, he does that thing where he tells you to he tells you to talk about a certain joke that he doesn't actually tell. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so he does this Spoiler. thing where during, during his show, similar to, similar to the Rian Johnson thing, he does a thing during the shows where he talks about he talks about um, people saying, oh, I really enjoyed the show, especially... What joke? Was it the fish joke or something like that? Or the, It was the giraffe joke. The giraffe joke. joke. It, was the, it, was the, it, was, it was the best giraffe, jo- giraffe joke I've ever seen. And like loads of people would tweet about the show, oh my God, the giraffe joke is hilarious. And he'll say this at the start of the, uh, the, the, the performance. And at the end he reveals there is no giraffe joke. It is just something he's put out there to kind of stop people from... Spoiling it. Spoiling it. So he, so he, tells, he, tells, he basically kind of, tells the audience to, if you want to say you saw the show and you really enjoyed it, and you just make a... And he, he basically made them all feel like they're part of a club in that they all get to say about how funny the giraffe joke was. So everyone goes in there expecting to see a funny giraffe joke. There isn't one. Um, it, it's just his way of avoiding spoilers. And it made everyone in the audience feel they were like part of a big, bigger joke. And it was a very clever way of avoiding um, any of his story getting out. I feel like, didn't Superhot do something like that with the reviews? Like, at the very end of it, it said, like, like to, po- like to post something in your review or whatever, like, and it's just, like, super hot over and over. Uh, I'm looking that up now, because I'm pretty sure that was a thing. That so, I, I, I wish I could remember the actual film in general, but there is a, there's a famous film from Hollywood history that had a twist ending. And what they actually did was they, because they were worried about the script leaking, they actually wrote, they, they, they circulated seven different scripts with seven different endings. So that if any, and, and only the people on set knew which was the correct one. So if anything did leak, there was an excellent chance it was going to be one of the fake ones. So maybe what Naughty Dog could have done is make, make a bunch of fake sequences for The Last of Us. <laughs> so if ever anything leaks, they can just immediately release all of the additional stuff and no one would know what was because what Because was nothing anyway. alleviates crunch like making six endings you're not going to use. <laughs> I do not well, endorse crunch. So. Turns out The Last of Us Part 2 really is New Jack and Daxter. That's the... Uh, that's See, the sold. I'm sold now. I'm excited. <laughs> actually, the, um, probably my most single most egregious uh, example of, of having something spoiled for me was actually in a video game. Years and years and years ago, there was a video game, Enter the Matrix. Did anybody play Enter the Matrix? Yep, yeah, yeah. It, it, was, it was released around the time of the second Matrix movie, but actually a few days before the second Matrix movie. A few days before Matrix Revolutions. Now, throughout Enter the Matrix, which was a side story, it wasn't like a, an adaptation of the film. It was a completely different set of events. But what we didn't know was that the game intertwines with the film in a couple of key parts. And rather than just like doing their own version, they just drop full motion video clips from a film that we hadn't seen yet of like the biggest, most dramatic sequences in the film. So there's a shot in, in, in uh, Matrix Revolutions where two, it's like a freeway fight and two trucks crash into each other and the, the camera swoops around. And it's like, a, you know, back then when I was like 19 and 
And at university, that was like one of the most amazing things I'd ever seen. But that was completely spoiled for me by the video game tie-in. And I can only assume that that even got through, slipped through the net because the Hollywood studios paid so little attention to what was going on in video games back then that they had no idea that like two of their, like two or three of the biggest scenes in their film were being spoiled for everybody who played the game like four or five days before they had access to the film. It's a terrible video game as well, but that's besides the point. <laughs> well, <laughs> in talking about you talk about the thing about the multiple endings um there is uh, about f- how many years ago it was james will remember there was a doctor who series where there was this mysterious female uh, mary poppins style character called uh, missy who for the whole series was this weird antagonist working in the background of the whole series and in the end it reveals that missy is the famous doctor who villain the master but obviously it's a she's a woman now um, and that was the big sort of that was the twist and she reveals that she's the master in the in the penultimate episode final scene um, but they filmed like six versions of that where she says a different character every time um, and so even people on set didn't know <laughs> which uh, which uh, which character she was um, and it was because they filmed in public and they wanted the public to not reveal it so they uh, confused them by having multiple endings um, I'm sure I think that's quite a normal thing to do actually but um, I'm yeah. It's not naughty. Anyway, I think Game of, yeah, Game of Thrones filmed a bunch of scenes. Game like of Thrones that, yeah. did that, yeah. They, they were definitely scripted around because some some of the actors themselves were known for uh, accidentally giving away story details during uh, during interviews, so they just weren't told what happened. So none of which solves Naughty Dog's problems, and uh, we apologize. Yeah, I, 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 the only we can only hope that the that people still enjoy the game when it does come out and uh, and aren't too disappointed by the spoilers. I do I do find sometimes. If I already know something that's coming, okay. Do you know what Dringo's mentioned? Uh, uh, Doctor Who. So I'm going to mention Bond, Spectre. The 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 revelation of who the villain was was given away. Was leaked in like a script. I think it was like nine months, maybe a year before the film actually came out. The link between the villain and Bond. And I was like, that sounds crap. Please don't let that be the thing. But then going in. Because I had heard this spoiler, it then protected me from the fact that that was actually the truth. And it was actually quite disappointing. It's like, okay, I've been pre-disappointed. I can now just enjoy the rest of this disappointing I've been pre-let down. Uh... (laughs) I've been pre-let down, yes. I cannot be let down if I am already let down. As Brendan himself said to me earlier, if you always bet on disappointment, you will never be disappointed. Oh, Brendan. I will say that, like, so the game's going to be fine, right? Like, it... I, I made the comment earlier that, you know, none of you were extremely online. And if you were extremely online, it is rather hard to, especially on gaming, like Twitter or gaming, social media, whatever, it is very hard to just completely avoid seeing those spoilers at all, especially because there's like very mean internet trolls who are just ridiculous. Um, but but realistically, like the vast majority of people that just buy games and would pick up The Last of Us Part Two are not deeply online and they are not going to have seen these spoilers. So like, you know, I've seen, I've seen people going like, oh, is this going to affect? the sales no it's not going to affect the sales of the game are you kidding no it's going to be fine and i'm definitely i'm definitely intrigued as to what brendan was going to talk about here because i'm just looking back at his email that, that suggested this is a topic and I'll, I'll show i'll give everyone a peek behind the curtain of uh, gi here and, and brendan's inner life but he says i'm still bothered by naughty dogs quote incredibly difficult last few days end quote statement well, if anyone wants to talk about spoiler culture or the like like i don't know what bothered him about it and i don't and, and i feel like he should be here to represent himself no i know exactly what bothered him about it because we were talking about that um that day uh let me th- so they had they had a tweet right like sorry i'm pulling up um yeah I'm pulling up the article so that i can quote it correctly Bren- Bre- brendan brendan thought brendan thought the um the quote at the beginning about it being an incredibly difficult for a few days was tonally uh, yeah. uh, off. Oh, I can't. Um, because... Yeah, I can't find the tweet. Yeah, so so they start they start out the tweet by saying we know it's been a very difficult last few days, and I I kind of agree with him. I mean, I don't think it's like the most grievous offense in the world. I don't think Brendan does either. I can't speak for him, but I don't know. Um, but it just the 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 opening of that kind of tweet about the spoilers from Naughty Dog was sort of weird because it, I don't know, like like implying like I don't know. It's been a really difficult last few months just in general and so kind of coming out with this like oh we know the last few days have been just so hard for you all because you had to because so many of you had to see spoilers of a video game it just felt kind of like eh. i mean again like i don't think it's this horrible like grievous offense it was just like i don't know that's a weird way to phrase that i i I, I did take issue with brenda's opinion on that because i i do think all suffering is relative right and yes sure there are worse things in the world but there's all there always is um and you know 
it did seem like a like yeah maybe it was like a I know it's been a difficult few days is it that difficult maybe but it was but I mean it is yeah yeah I, I just assumed that they were referring to themselves and not to you know the, the gaming public at large for having a game spoiled for them but more like we weren't really hard no, on this. They specifically said, yeah, no, I, I just pulled it up. They said, we know the last few days have been incredibly difficult for you. Oh, wow. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. That, I don't know. That sounds like a condolence <laughs> that you give someone when someone's died. Yeah, no, it's like, true. It's true. They're, 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 I, they're, I, say, I just thought it was a weird sentence. Yeah. And Brennan's not here to defend himself. Yeah, no, it's true. We can't we can't go on and on about it, I suppose. But, you know, I, I suppose there is there is a sort of an undercurrent of, uh, of self-importance there. But I, I guess I'm more with Chris than with Brendan on this one. Like, I feel that... Yeah, they, yeah. They, they, this is the last thing that they wanted to see. But I think this is this is an unavoidable fact of being alive in the year 2020 with the internet as it currently exists and the kind of people that live on the internet and then enjoy kind of causing other people, um, you know, discomfort by by their actions. It's um, it's, a, it's probably the reason why I don't use Twitter that much, you know. So. Well, that is all we've got time for. Um, fairly hefty episode this week, so thank you for sticking with us. Um, we'll be back next week with uh, your latest news-centric discussion show, which almost certainly will be revolving around the reveal of Xbox One X gameplay. No, Xbox Series X gameplay, sorry. See, that, that, Rebecca, is why I say XX, because otherwise I'd get it wrong. The XX gameplay <laughs> review. First, first XX gameplay will be revealed next week. We'll be discussing that. Don't do that. Almost certainly. <laughs> In the meantime, you can find all previous episodes on your podcasting platform of choice, and you can enjoy your daily dose of news, insight, and analysis into the world behind video games at gamesindustry.biz. Mm-hmm.